Guys, the boys over at Kyogre Broadheads have a great deal going on their 175 grain pilot cuts. Jump onto the kyogrebroadheads.com.au website, select the 175 grain pilot cut in either 6-pack or 12-pack, add to the cart, head to checkout, and input the quantity of 3. Use the promo code 24, which is the numeral 2, F-O-R, and your first pack will be free. So that's either a free 6-pack or free 12-pack. Sounds a bit like beer. Awesome deal, so take full advantage just in time for the rut. Guys, if you're like me of late, I've had a hard time in finding what arrow shafts would like to run for the 2019 season. Weighing up costs, durability, consistency being the major factor, and overall shootability will seem to be quite the task. After several strong recommendations for close mates, I was introduced to Shane from Bowhunters Domain. Now the BHD shafts are hand-selected and matched by Shane himself for consistency with quality stainless steel half certs and with a few other options in the works. They come in the 250, 300 and 400 spine shafts, suitable for a wide range of setups. So with that in mind, and Shane's very humble but confident advice, I was quick to order. If you're looking for an affordable arrow shaft with excellent customer service to back it, then jump onto bowhuntersdomain.com.au and while you're there, use the HCDU10 discount code on checkout. Well, hey guys, uh, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks for joining me. Pretty cool guest today. We've got uh, Al Kidner joins the show. And um, to be honest with you, there was no real agenda with this catch. Um, Al's just been one of those guys that's always intrigued me and I've always been uh, been wanting to catch up with him. And uh, we met very, very briefly down at the Wild Deer Expo last year down in Victoria. And uh, only a short chat. And, um, you know, it's been a long time coming for me to try and catch him. And uh, with his work and things like that, it's, it's been a little tough, but we, we made it work. And after a few nights of trying to uh, te- technical difficulties and uh, you know, his wife and that come home one night. so um, But we got it done and it was just a real general chat. You know, there's there's a bit of hunting, there's a there's a lot of life and uh, you know, we talk about the army and the brotherhood and things like that and something that's always intrigued me because I've, I've never been part of it. So I really hope you enjoy this one, something a little bit different, but uh, Alice talks very, very well and... Um, Oh, there is no doubt that we'll uh, we'll see more of him, and you know he's written some pretty awesome columns in in magazines and things like that. Um, so very very worthy of the read, and uh, I highly recommend anyone uh, to follow them up. So anyway, guys, this is part one. We did chat for a couple of hours. It went on for a while, so we are we're cutting for a little wee break in between. So we are I've cut that into one, and the next one will come out next week. So uh, part one, Al Kidna, a little bit about life. Yeah, like everyone keeps asking me what the real estate market's doing, and I'm fucking really sick of the question. I'm like, it's still going around circles. People are still buying shit, and people are still selling shit. Like, there's nothing else in it. Like, it's because uh, obviously we're like we're three to four hours north of Sydney, depending on what side of Sydney you are, and and um, yep. we're we're like we're we're influenced by it, but it's not it's not all end end all, if that makes sense. And, um, you know, obviously it's fucking terrible down there at the moment, so. Yeah. And, I think, do you think it's just, you know, riding itself? Yeah, it is. It, it's, you got this, like, I don't get into it. I don't watch telly or anything like that, mate. But, like, the election will hold a lot of your, depending on sort of your, your age age groups, like your generations, like that'll, that'll hold a lot of the generational stuff up, the elders. Yeah. And that sort of flows into business and, you know, people not spending money because they're not sure what's happening. Even though it doesn't seem 
fucking matter anyway, what way it goes, yeah. whoever wins. But it That's definitely right. does play on people's minds. They don't like making decisions and stuff like that. So um, I think it's sitting, like we've had a really good couple of years, I think it's just sitting on the fence. Um, yeah. So I think anyone that's sort of looking to probably do something, just run with it. Like if it works in with your plans, like you, mate, like if it works in well, with your plans, yeah. like do it. Like don't wait. Nah. Um, we were sick of rent here in Brizzy, so we just went and bought. Yeah, and that's it. And look, I've told a few people just of late, like, you know, people are saying, oh, you know, we, we can't find anything. I said, look, sell where you are and then come down, just rent for three months. Just just put yourself, yeah. put your shit in storage, literally grab a table, a chair, and your kettle. Um, be really basic just for a few months. Be sitting on your money and, and when something pops up, jump on it. Like, don't, yeah. you know, people are sort of trying to do that easy you know, out of one into the other. And, and I reckon, obviously, at the end of the day, it costs some money. Because it does. It's, that's, you're waiting on one house to sell yep. and something to put a contract on another house. Yep. Yeah. Well, you know, New South Wales is different to Queensland again. Like, we don't have the cooling off periods that, that Queensland offer. So, yeah. residentially, you get five days and you either take it or leave it. Or yep. rural, so which is mainly what I do. Yep. But you don't exchange a contract until you're ready to commit. So, once you yeah. exchange, you're in. Like there's there's no way out. Yep. Um, yep. So yeah, it's it's interesting, man. It sort of which kind of plays on kind of plays on what you plan for the year too. Like you know, at the moment, like everything's pretty tight. So it's sort of like shit. Like how how big do I go September? You know, like I <laughs> yeah. like I exactly. do I go all in like I usually do, or do I <laughs> <laughs> do I take all my leave now, or do I am I buying houses, or yeah, yeah. So where I'm cashing in investments at the moment. Um, you know, I've got a development that I did in town here, just a small one. And yep. mate, the bank, you know, I've I've got good equity and all that in the farm and that here, and the bank's just been nightmare. Yeah, it, I, I would really feel sorry for anybody trying to get into the, the oh, whole yeah no, real estate exactly game. Right. We um we pissed we were with the NAB for years. Yep, and I was with them for probably twenty years, and Karen was similar. And we pissed them off and went to ING. Yeah. Just because they were just being a pain in the ass. And, I mean, we got a million-dollar property up in Mackay on the beach. Yep. And this place that we just bought, it's valued at 600 and we bought it for 490 So, um, yeah, yeah, we're sort of sitting okay. Yeah, that's good, man. I mean, I don't know. I sit on – If I, people ask me at the moment, the younger crew, I'm saying don't worry about the whole investment thing. If you're wanting to step up in the property market, sell what you've got, move up. Worry about investments later. There's plenty of options yeah. because, you know, the old thing is like, oh, you'll never get back in the market. Well, you may not get into this market, but you might get into the next one. Yeah, um, exactly. And, yeah, it's sort of, it's funny how many people sort of reach out and ask. It's sort of, you know, you'll never know. Like, it, it's a, they're trends, so you, you're never going to pick it. You can only sort yeah. of guess. And every, everywhere's different. Like, that Maitland and Newcastle area, that'd have to be governed by the mining as well, wouldn't it? Big time. Like, when the miners charge and the real estate game's charging, um, yeah. you know, there was there was times there with Singleton, uh, I know the owner of the business there, and, mate, I, I felt full and big time, you know, to a point where I had to call, and like, not, not a brand that I work for, but, like, I called another agency and said, look, I've got three mates moving down there, they're like two of them were in my wedding party. Like, I guarantee you, like, I trust them, you know, with my own children. It's like, mm. yep, no worries. That's all I need. And, you know, they got the house. They've rented there for four or five years or something like that. No issues yeah. at all. 
And then to the point of going from that extreme to an office having 250 vacant properties. Fuck. Yeah, that's, that's Moranbar was the same. Up like, how does that, how do you even, I don't even know how that would feel. Like we run on a we run on about a one and a half percent vacancy rate. Like in the office, we're only a little town. Like we're only a town of five thousand, and yeah. rental gain is pretty strong. Um, but like I can't even. I looked at the list today. There was two vacant properties on it. You know, like I just I can't even yeah. get me. I can't. Yeah, can't fathom that. Hey, just insane. Yeah, that's that's the mining for you. That, that this ebb and flow. Like no matter where you are in the world, you know, there's mining booms and. And mining crashes and yeah. people make millions out of it and people lose millions out of it. Yeah. You just yeah. again you gotta know the ride and and whatever wave you you're sort of catching at the moment. So Definitely. Definitely. I'm trying to detach myself from the mining industry sort of thing. I've just I've sort of had enough, so Yeah. Had enough yeah. of BHP. <laughs> I think I think I think people to work for them and then shareholders them too, so Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Back, but, but well man, you are might as well tell us a bit about yourself. We've, we've just mentioned mines, mate, but um, tell us what you do and what yeah. you're about. Well, those who don't know me, I guess, I'm, yeah, uh, as I said, knocking around in the mining industry for the last oh, nine, eight, nine years as a shop fire, um, working for BHP and Orica and a few other companies, just um, blowing things up at work. Everyone says, oh, that's a cool job. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it is. As its yeah. moments. As its moments. And it, it is a good job and you go to work and, you know, you, you do some pretty cool stuff. But um, after a while, you just want them to, to all go off safe and, and with no misfires and, and everyone go home yeah. at the end of the day. Um, yeah, but that's that's sort of me, me day job and obviously hunting and uh, hunting with a bow and hunting with a recurve and longbow. I've done that since all oh, the last 18, 19 years now. I think I added it up. When I first took up a bow was when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, and yeah, sort of been in hunting and and that my whole life. And yeah, living here in Brisbane in Red Deer country now. Moved down from up north. Um, Were you Mackay before that, or? Yeah, lived in Mackay there for a number of years. Um, that's sort of where I got into the mining side of things. Um, and then yeah, it was better more. Uh, advantageous for my wife to be in Brisbane with her role in the, one of the universities. So we yep. moved down to Brizzy and I just flew in and out. Um, yeah, so that's down here at Red Deer Country and starting to get me, cut me teeth in a, a few spots down down this way and up in the valley and awesome. call, calling in a few favours off mates. <laughs> <laughs> that's what they're for. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I got, got out a little bit on the rut last year and and um yeah got two shots at two different stags i called them in and um i think they were both under 15 meters yep and yeah just didn't pick a spot shot over their back on the first fella and the second fella um arrow got a glancing blow off a bit of a scrub i was in some heavy heavy scrub and he come charging on in at me and yeah got a deflection on my arrow but um Otherwise, I was pretty happy with that. Yeah, definitely. Pretty, especially especially you guys with a trad bow like that. You're getting in nice and close. Like there's no uh, no question there. You, you're right amongst it. Yeah, and it's, I've just, like I've shot recurves and longbows predominantly, you know, for as a, as a traditional bow hunter for a long time. Um, and it's just how I like to hunt. I think I, I sh- last time I shot a compound was at Herbie's place. Uh, 
up at Dargo, and he actually got a photo of it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just to prove it. Yeah, just to prove it. Yeah, it was like it was, it was impressive to shoot, but it just wasn't doesn't doesn't feel like me. You know, I've got nothing yeah. against God shoot compounds. I think they're they're an unreal and precision bit of kit. But um, they just and I guess when you use the analogy of, of like a, a guy that does fly fishing, you know, he he likes that mode of fishing, and, and I sort of. You know the similarities are the same with someone that shoots a longbow or a recurve and makes her and arrows and that sort of thing. It, yeah. um, you know, and then yeah, different guys like different aspects of fishing. Some guys hate fly fishing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, so, it's it's one of the things I think. I don't know whether we, we've brought this up before, it might have been on the last one, but you know, a lot of the time that that you know the fly fishing, the you know the traditional, and even I guess just hunting in general, but sometimes the adventure off a lot of the stuff I've read about the fly fishing guys, it's you know, whether they're allowed to go and do it, what it, you know, the bone fishing, that kind of stuff. Like you're not going to go there with modern day tackle. Just, it's not going to happen because it, yeah, it's too easy. But then you know the whole fly fishing, um, trips and that kind of stuff. Jesus, it takes them in some ridiculous stuff. And you know some of the stuff that I watch out that you know traditional guys get in amongst as well. It's the same kind of deal. Yeah, and it's um, it's just a, I don't know, it's just a, a romance, I guess. Of yeah. one of the best. But um, yeah. to put that, you know, alongside archery is a bit bit strange. But uh, it, well, it's, it's just, grassroots. It's grassroots. Yeah, yeah. And I've I've just always enjoyed. It. I, like I shot compounds when I first sort of got into serious into bowing, you know, all those years ago, and I blew a couple up. And then a, a good mate of mine by the name of Graham Foster up in Cairns, who was one of the early guys in ABA, he sort of was was sort of my mentor getting into bowing as a young yeah. fellow. He, he gave me a, a recurve and said, here you go, shoot this, and I just fell in love with it. Um, just loved the, the simplicity of it and just set your brace out and get your arrows roughly spined and away you go. Yeah. And that's pretty much what it is. You, know? like yeah. you, can, you can go down the rabbit hole of tuning arrows and, and all that sort of thing and forward to centre and, and whatnot, and that's fine. But at the end of the day, the old simple stick and string is, is what it is and just drew to me, I guess, and that's that's who I am as a, as a bow hunter in general. Yeah, I do yeah. a bit of a bit of rifle hunting um, here and there, but I I don't know. It's hard to call, dare I say it. It's hard to call it hunting because um, yeah, it's I got two really good rifles in the gun safe here, and they can shoot like a dream. One of them's my wife, and one of them's mine. But um, and, I, and a couple of good mates of mine are, are sort of heavy rifle guys, and I sort of bounce off them and in, in what to do and what not to do, and um. Yeah, and a lot of them got you know military experience, sniping experience behind them. So what you know, what they've forgotten, I haven't learnt yet in regards to that sort yeah. of stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, sort of. And it's but yeah, to sort of say it's hunting. I don't know. I don't mean to to diss on guys that, that do rifle hunt. There's some very ethical rifle hunters out there, but you know when you can shoot something at three and four hundred meters quite easily, it's sort of you know takes it off it a bit, I yeah. guess. And there's nothing like being, you know, 10 metres from a Chittle stag or a Royal and Red stag or even some of the African stuff and you go, wow, this is amazing. And yep. I can't draw me bow. <laughs> oh, I'm screwed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm here now. Yeah, and you mate who you're with, it. if he doesn't hunt with a stick bow, they just look at you like, what the hell are you doing, mate? But, yeah. uh, <laughs> but uh, that, that's just how it, how it rolls, mate. So. Uh, that's cool. Well, man, I don't really uh... – I don't really have an agenda tonight because there's so much I kind of we, – we caught up briefly after my technical – let's call it an absolute stuff up the other night. But 
Um, we need a nine-year-old to set us. Oh, we did, we did, but um, you know, we we sort of we touched on a few things, and I guess the um, you know, we could take this probably chat so many different ways, but obviously, um, you know, probably for starters, we we know that you're good mates with Herbie, and um, I'm running a, obviously everyone knows I'm running the uh. I'm giving away my exo pack at the moment, and um, this will come yeah, out. This will come out still in time for uh, the time they come out. But you know, a lot of that, you know, a lot of the feedback I got, you know, obviously I've asked for people to, to, you know, give me feedback on what sort of they like to listen to, and really good hearing, you know, uh, obviously Rogers and you know Toby Hines and Kevy, you know, Shilf on the on the Reds, and you know, I love that species stuff, and and obviously Herbie's, you know, um, and it was funny, it was sort of. A little bit of a generational thing too, from what I can gather. Um, yep. God, sort of, you know, probably from my age, so you know, mid thirties upwards, um, where we sort of probably get ourselves into a little bit more stressful situations with family and work. Um, you and I just mm. catching up. Hence why when we started recording, we we're talking real estate, um, and hopefully someone <laughs> got out a bit of that. But um, <laughs> the uh, you know just the stresses we get into, and you've been in the military and. Man, you've got a you've got a whole massive background, but you know, tell us a little bit. I asked you a question the other night, but one thing that really gets me is the camaraderie that sort of comes. You know, I know that you and Herbie sort of did, you know, well, I don't think you did, but you didn't serve together or anything like that. But you're very much on the same page, and I I, I gave you some stick about the little comments you guys make and not knowing <laughs> what they were, but. <laughs> You some know, very, some of them are pretty inappropriate. Yeah, I can. I picked that straight away, but I was just like, I don't, I don't want this to sound arrogant or anything like that. But I, I kind of want to jump into your mind a little bit and just sort of like tell the listeners that aren't in military, you know, where a lot of that comes from. Yeah, mate. It, oh, I don't know. That, that's a that's a big rabbit hole. That one. Oh, I, I know. I know. Maybe just just go with the start of the burrow. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, no, it's, it's cool, mate. Um. I guess to answer your question, like with Herbie and I and a lot of military guys, whether they they're still in or they're still out, it's a it's a strange thing to explain. It's it's like you're part of this this brotherhood I call it, um, where you sort of know each rough whether you work together or don't work together in the job or, or not whatnot. You sort of hear. Um, you you hear guys like their backgrounds, where they've been, and, and what they've done. Whether you know you've read about it or or someone said you know that guy's he's a solid lad, and you sort of get around to sizing each other up like you know two stags I guess in the bush, <laughs> and then once once you work out that, that I, mean, I hope you don't get pissing over yourself or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to watch Herbie up at Darby. Like, <laughs> oh no, <laughs> he, he gets a bit carried away. Uh, that's funny. <laughs> But it's it's like you know, and once you sort of work out, you know, that fellow's all right, and then you, like I said, if you work together, you know, that sort of bond will never change. I I done a couple of tours overseas, and then I worked overseas in Afghanistan and in Iraq for about three and a half years doing private security, and and yeah, all sorts of fun and games over there. Um, but some of the guys I worked over there, and that was a, a few years ago now. But if I sent them a message on you know Messenger or an email or something saying, "Hey, I'm, I'm in a spot of bother. Can I can I get a hand, mate, or, or whatever?" I, I just know that you know I, I wouldn't even need to send the email. I just know it would be answered with a yes. Um, so that and just yeah, like you're working with lads and, and that sort of thing, and it's the 
it's a hardships that fellas go through. And, and as I said to you before, being um, getting comfortable with being uncomfortable and all that sort of thing. Um, and just basically, yeah, working, working your guts out um, yeah. in uniform and, and out of uniform. Um, you just form this sort of bond and, and guys get, and then, then bonds never change, you know. Yeah. And that's like when we sort of found out Matt from Paladin um, took his own life. It was it was hard on a lot of us guys because I was only speaking to him a couple of days beforehand, and yeah. I know Herbie was as well. And it just sort of runs you the wrong way. And I don't want to turn this whole conversation into that sort of where Matt went. But um, yeah, I guess those sort of those sort of backgrounds that you know can weigh heavy on guys and. Um, and that's why, like Herbie and I get on like a house on fire, and other mates that I worked with, you know, don't even hunt. Um, they just, you know, they're just civvies now. Um, but I can send them a message, and you know, here you go, mate, or whatever have you. And it's just, just through the hardships that um, that sort of those bonds are formed. And you know, you, you might catch up on Anzac Day, and you mightn't have seen them since last Anzac Day, and it's like nothing's changed. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, having a beer, having a laugh, that sort of thing. How's the family? How's the kids? And, um, yeah, and like you said, everyone sort of gets stresses as they get older and you're trying to fit in kids and, you know, mortgages and wives and, you know, and then obviously the time that we want, as in spending time in the bush and, and hunting overseas or hunting locally, and it's, it's a it's a fine balance. And I, and I guess, yeah, to come full circle, I guess um, – you just sort of got to weigh that sort of stuff up and, and try and balance it the best you can and, and make the best decisions you can. Sometimes you, you do well and sometimes you don't. And and having a good background or a good circle of, of lads behind you that, you know, are solid, solid gents, um, you can sort of bounce, bounce ideas off them. Yeah. You know, you can, you know I might ring Herbie and say, eh, I'm just, this, this is annoying me or that's annoying me or what do you reckon of this idea? And he might laugh at me and, and I go, oh, yeah, that was the response I, I didn't <laughs> <I'll want>. expect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or was expecting, but I yeah. didn't want to hear. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, yeah, that's that's just sort of how it rolls, mate. But, um, yeah, yeah it, it's funny, like, and as I said to you the other night, you know, ex-military guys or even military guys on holidays or whatever, if they're still serving, will be able to pick another military guy um, just by the way he carries himself, you know, um, by what, you know, what if he's got a backpack, how that is. You know, um, lads can sort of pick that stuff up yep. that they were serving. Like, as I said, I was getting a coffee when I was in Melbourne last at a shop and a, a girl, oh, she wouldn't have been 19 or 20, she said, oh, are you in the Army? I said, no, no, I'm not in the Army. I used to be, though. She goes, hey, I thought so. My brother's in the Army and you look like him. I was, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> she I'll had take that watch. as a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so pa- apparently having a big watch is a, a dead giveaway. But, oh, yeah, yeah. No, it was all about the yeah. watch. Yeah. <laughs> it's nothing, nothing to do with your sleeve tats or hair dude nothing <laughs> got nothing to do with that <laughs> no it's i mean and i appreciate that insight too because you know it's um i guess you know in a very in a different way but a similar way and nowhere near as serious you know but i guess the honey community in the right way probably should be like that in a lot of the cases and i know you, you and i sort of spoken about this and i had a chat with her the other night about it um you know, it, it even comes back to business and companies and all this kind of stuff. Um, when it's such a small community as Australia is, you know, I think we could probably think of it a similar way as a 
as a band of brothers and sisters and I think that's the way we need to sort of keep striving forward. I know that's a big sort of platform that I like to keep. I like to keep on the fence. I don't like to take opinions or anything. Um, yep. You know, yep. and, and because you're talking to everybody, I don't yeah. want to fall into a pocket, you know what I mean? And, you know, we, we're careful about, you know, even bow hunting versus rifle hunting. I've asked a few people to jump on the podcast and say, look, mate, I don't bow hunt. I said, I don't care. Yeah, um, yeah. because it's all about the experiences that you have in the bush that someone's going to pick up on. Um, That's right. How is, you know, going through the military, apart from hunting, but how has that sort of set you up in, in sort of who you are today um, and maybe bring it into someone that is not in the military but could, you know, could think of it the same way? I think, mate, to, to answer that question, I'm... I'd, I'd always, you know, like you asked me, mother, she'd uh, back me up here. But I, as a kid, I always wanted to join the army. It just, just, you know, appealed to me as a young fella. Um, and when I did, you know, it was I just took to it like uh, the fish to water, mate. I, I loved it. I loved the job. Um, yeah, I loved everything about it. I loved the, the camaraderie of it. It, it's you know, to set. It's probably the, one of the best things I think any young fella can do. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not saying like if you go to university and you get a you know a degree in something, it, that's not as good. It's just for me and, and for a lot of guys, um, and even for my son who now is in the same unit I was up in Townsville. Um, it's just it just it's well grounding, you know, and it yeah. it sets you up for, for your life, you know. And whether you like that or not, like some blokes get out of the army and can't stand it. it was yeah, best, yeah, which is you know, it was understandable. Best, <laughs> yeah. It was the best day of their life that they got out. But, you know, other guys, you know, and they'll, you'd find that they'll still be changed, you know. Um, like, you know, it, it just, again, like it, it sort of sets young fellas up well. Like it teaches you to say, like they, typical army, they teach you to do everything because it's, that's the way they want it. And everything has a reason for that. Um, and the main thing is, you know, discipline. So, that, and it's drummed in you from day one uh, in the army and more so in the infantry that, you know, your mates come first and, and closely behind that pretty much the mission or, or what you're told to do or what you've got to complete as a group of guys. Um, because if you don't look after your mates and if there's no that sort of teamwork, then everything just, just you know, rolls off and goes pear-shaped. And, yeah. You know, that's why they, they focus big on that. You know, looking after your mate, that teamwork, that mateship, um, yeah, that's sort of been – you know, rolls all the way back to, you know, World War One and Gallipoli and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but for young fellas, it, it, you, you couldn't. I, I can't. Uh, I can't sort of say enough on how advantageous it is for young fellas to, to go. And, you know, it doesn't have to be the army. It doesn't have to be the infantry. It could be, you know, the air force if yeah. you want to, um, <laughs> or, or the navy. But uh, they're all good careers in, in in doing that sort of stuff and setting yourself up. You know, and you can. My young fellow is a classic example. When he, you know, he finished high school and was sitting in my car, and I picked him up from somewhere in, in town. And he, he said, "Oh, I asked him the question, right, lad? You know, school's over. You sort of, what are you going to do? Sort of, yeah, what are you going to do? Where are you going to go?" And he goes, "Oh, I think I'm going to join the army, Dad." And I went, "Oh, that's good. You won't get in." <laughs> <laughs> you could have heard a pin drop in the car. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> Thanks, yeah. Dad. No, yeah, thanks, Dad. Great one. Um, and that sort of, I still remember that. And he would too. He would remember that conversation. But you know, if you're gonna, anyone sort of says that to me, I've got to be honest with him because it's not a thing that 
you know, and through his journey to fast forward a bit, people would say to me, oh, you know, did you make Sam, my son, did you, did you make him go and do that? I said, no, I didn't make him do anything. And you can't make someone do that. It, they have to find the drive. They have to find the self-discipline. And, you know, it's just never going to be there. Um, yep. It's not like the 1960s and they'd uh, shout at you and all that sort of, oh, they do shout at you, but it's not like it was in you see in the movies and that yeah, sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's different. And, you know, like my lad, he was he was overweight. He was unfit. Um, he had no job. And I said, but, you know, we can change that, mate. We can we can get you in. We just start at the, the very bottom and we just, you know, I'll train you and get you eating healthy and get you fit. And then we just start the paperwork and just go from there. And we just take little little steps at a time and and, and move forward. And, that, and that's what he did. He, he, he We got him a job at Masters before they folded and yep. he worked there at the hardware store and rode his bike because I wouldn't drive him to work because he, he didn't have a license. So I said, well, it's 9Ks there and 9Ks back, so that's 18Ks a day on your push bike. Plus, that's a good ride. <laughs> yeah. Plus uh, fitness when you get home because I used to draw up different uh, workouts for him each day. Um, and then sometimes I'd have a little surprise finisher for him after that workout as well, depending on where he was with his work roster. So yep. just to give him a bit of what it felt like to do a workout and then turn around and do it again, like the army liked to do. So, yeah. um, yeah, we had a few, few disagreements, few tears, few cranky looks and all that sort of thing. But yeah, to, um, to summarize, mate, he, he done well and he worked his guts out and, and he got there and it, I've just seen a, it's such change in, in a, in a boy that he was a big, soft, overweight boy turned into a, you know, a young man who now sends me screenshots of him doing bench press and doing, you know, he does workouts on the weekends with his mate with torsion bars out on the oval yeah. at, up, at the, up at the battalion. So, yeah. And you're and going, yeah. shit, I'm not looking forward to Christmas arm <laughs> <Yeah>. wrestling. <laughs> yeah. You're exactly right because yeah. a little shit can, can beat me now in just about everything. Yeah. <laughs> so on a, on, a, like on a dad lover, and, and I'll master this from uh, purely my, my own reason, like I've got three boys, uh, yep. all very young still, but you, you look back to that, and, and, and I know you've got another son as well. Um, yep. On an emotional level for you, like how did you feel about putting him through that? Obviously, let's be honest, you know, picking, picking his, his negative points, you know what I mean? Obviously, you know, uh, you're very proud of him, and he loved him for all you did, you know, but how was it to, to sort of pick up those other points to talk about? Because everyone says we're all too soft on that now, but, you know, it's a different things are different now and then as you said they're not the 60s but we handle things a little bit different but how did you feel and how did you handle it um going through that process the way i looked at it i and i i, I was soft on him sometimes and i was hard on him sometimes and it, you know that i was saying it's going to hurt me more than it hurts you and, and you know it's <laughs> it's uh yeah even now like like my lad, he's been got warning orders to you know on deployments to for Afghanistan and stuff yep. like that. So knowing what I've known and and being in that country myself, and you know that to sort of fast forward the conversation, that that's a big step in itself. Oh. But um, just to focus on like he was overweight, he was eating unhealthy, he was living an unhealthy lifestyle, and I I had to sort of say to him, mate, you know you're not going to get in. They're not going to no recruit is going to put his name to you yeah. and get you in there because you don't fit the bill mate it's just you don't you're not you're not fit you don't fit the requirement of what they want um and then 
but we can change that, as I said to him. And then the way I looked at it, mate, is is along the case of like I was, I was saving his life. Yeah. Uh, you know, and me being a pain in the ass, you know, I had to sort of take the dad, the father hat off, and I had to put on, you know, the the corporal hat, um, the bush hat, as such, and and you know, and, and give him a bit of dog jaw, a bit of bit of mongrel in him, and and then. You know, I, I didn't like to see him cry, and I didn't like to see him upset. You know, yeah, eighteen-year-old boy, and I'm making him cry through just being a pain in the ass and making him do another workout back to yeah. back. Um, but I, I would give him examples of why I was doing it, and yeah, oh, those same examples that um, that caught me up in the army, and then if I could give him some sort of exposure of what I went through, uh, he would be ready for it. You know, yeah. and Again, I didn't. He, and he copped it off the recruiters. Like when they went there, they he. I said to him, "Don't mention that I'm in um, until you get right to the end." And they ask you what you want to do. Yeah. And um, you know, I said, "You don't even have to go to the infantry, mate. Go to armoured corps. Go to artillery. Go to go to signals corps. Do something that you want to do. It's not, you know, it's not, uh, it's not my career. I've done my time. It's not yeah. your career. You do what you want to do." And um, to his credit, he said, "No, I want to go." I want to go to the infantry dad and I want to serve in the same unit you're in. I want to be a warfighter. Yep. And, um, you know, he's 21 years old now. And it's, I was, it was an extremely proud moment that he marched out of Sing- sorry, out of Kapuka at the, the training center there. And then they sent him to Singleton and he marched out of there as a, as an infantry soldier. And I shook his hand that day and I said, welcome to the brotherhood. Yeah. yeah. That's, 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 you've earned it and that's where you're going to go. Yeah. That's awesome. Any regrets? Um, I got a cupboard full of them. <laughs> <laughs> Not your own, your dad ones. <laughs> um, I, no, I, I thought I prepped him and I thought I trained him as hard as I could. And, and you know, like he, he had a bit of a setback when he went through Kapuka. He broke his oh, a couple of toes in his foot. Oh, shit, they, yep. yeah. Yeah, they sent him home and then they said to him, oh, you're going to come back and you'll join your platoon again and as soon as he got home i said to him mate they're not going to put you in that same platoon you're going to go back to day one yeah so and that's exactly what they did um yeah. so i just said to him, mate suck it up it could be a lot, could worse. Be a hell of a lot worse and um before he he left i there's a, a pretty prominent guy an ex navy seal in the u.s called jocko willink and um he runs his own business he's, he's an author and he's got his own podcast um but he does this little speech goes for about three minutes on in regards to something is good and then it sort of rolls and the whole whole uh, methodology behind it is that you know you, you break your leg in training or you something didn't work right or the choppers didn't turn up or you know you got the, the worst kid or whatever then you should always look at it and go good you know because that's you're just going to be a better person by having that hardship yeah that gotcha. makes sense. yeah uh, and he, he himself is quite a successful him and another couple of Navy SEALs run their own business in the States now where they they talk to civilian companies and, and, you know, tell them where they're going wrong and whatnot. And they've got a hell of a lot of leadership behind them but in, in proven leadership in on the battlefield. Yeah. Um, so that sort of rolls into the CV market quite well. Well, I think we can, you know, we can, as we sort of, you know, we slowly shift gears and, and like, this is so fascinating to me. So, um I hope everyone else is liking this as well. But you know, it's it's a it's an insight that we don't get to see just as you know, as as everyday sort of families. But you know, that that surely would have 
you know, a bit of a play and we can use the same context for hunting. You know, it's when, when something doesn't go right or it's a tough hunt or especially stuff where I've dealt with you know, on the bigger hunt where there's a lot of money involved and all those kind of stuff. Yep. Like going through that shit time and that, that the what that doesn't work out how you wanted it or dreamt it or whatever. I'll tell you what, like it really does change the way you come back from that and how you're going to handle it. Um, and I think, you know, listen to this, you know, you get the setback with the broken, you know, the broken toes and having to go through and start it all again. Like I kind of feel that with some of the, my bigger hunts that I haven't been successful on. I know that's people are going to go, it's not the same, mate, but I'm, I'm sort of trying to context that straight into, you know, yeah, into the hunting yeah. sort of things. Um, you got to start from square one again, save your money, you got to do all your bookings again, you got to talk that's your right. family around to let you go. Like, yep. you know, yep. how, how did, how did that, work with you on your personal life leaving leaving the military aside like how how did you progress on a personal side of thing and, and obviously you know you've probably taught you some same thing but um how did you how did you work through that for myself I, like touching on what you asked before in regards to the army and what i've done but i guess with it just you're looking at um being professional and professionalism and, and making you know good decisions through through discipline and, and, you know, when them hard hunts happen and, you know, like I went to Stewart Island last year with, with a group of guys, seen deer and I didn't shoot one and froze my ass off in a tree stand. <laughs> uh, but at the end of the day, you know, like we, we're going back to a hut, warm hut, you know, you got warm clothes. Um, yeah, I didn't get a, a, an animal on the ground. I had a great time, met some great guys that I hadn't met before. Um seen some beautiful like i've never been to Stuart island and I, you know look forward to going back so you sort of you break it up that way and yeah you know like and then i had a pretty bum year actually last year because then i went to africa not long after that on a on a last minute.com trip and um i didn't shoot anything over there either. i shot a bit of bit of game for meat with the rifle but um yep. i didn't shoot anything with the bow there only because i hunted hard and long for one of the little antelope that are over there and just just didn't connect and had a bit yeah. of bad luck, um, you know, and you could throw your toys out the cot and go, oh, this sucks and bloody hell, I'm not going to Africa again and, 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 you know, really drop the lip and stand on it as such as you're walking away. But, you know, you, you sort of got to look at yourself and go, look at the bigger picture and go, cross, I just went to Africa for the third time. Like, yeah. what are you whinging about, mate? Yeah, you know? what's wrong? <laughs> and, I, and I was over there with, with some really good guys that I've known for years that have probably – probably some of the best mates that I'd ever have to be able to, and I'm humbled to be able to call them mates, you know, so, and to be in a hunting camp with them and, and talking to the PH over there now and, and setting up a bit of a business proposal with him. Awesome. Uh, it, um, yeah, it was just a great trip there. Yep, I didn't get, you know, bow-hunted animals on the ground, but I uh, had, had a great time. And I, I think people lose sight of that in regards to, you know, social media could be a little bit guilty of it where you see, these guys going on these awesome hunts and all the rest of it. No one really shows the shit part of it. Um, you know, like. Because most I'm of it gonna, is. <laughs> yeah. Well, like I was on a hunt in Colorado a couple of years ago and I had a massive ingrown toenail. Oh. Yeah. Like, and I, my feet are generally good being, you know, an infantryman. I've always had good feet and looked after them and know how to look after them. Um, but for some unknown reason, and I remember doing it, I'd actually thought I'd do a bit of D, DUI, sorry, DYI. Um, Leatherman slash. Oh, <laughs> you can call that whatever you want, but it ain't going to be good. <laughs> yeah, wasn't good. 
And as I'm digging into my toe with my Leatherman, I'm thinking, do you are that's that's <laughs> digging under the influence. That's what that is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember having any sort of uh, antiseptic cream or. I'm thinking, no, this is probably not the right time to be doing this. But just I, I had it in my head that I had to um, try and clean this toenail up. And, uh, of course, it got worse. And I think that was like day three of a 12-day hunt. Um, and then, you know, like we were hunting up to uh, above the snow line, which I think was about 12,000. I was going to say, you have to be up there. Yeah. So, and I'd hunted up there a fair bit because the elk were moving above the tree line and up. Oh, so you weren't, even, you weren't even chasing muleys, you were chasing elk. Yeah, there's muleys there. Uh, I had a tag for muleys, but I, I don't know why I didn't shoot one. I've I seen a couple, but. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was more after a decent, decent uh, bull elk. Yeah, they sure. Were in the area. Yeah, we were seeing them every day. So, um, but yeah, I'm half limping around this this mountain range, going, yeah, well done, Al. Let's leave the Leatherman at home next time. But yeah, you've uh, done well, you know. And I could have went back to camp and you know ate camp food and, and and resigned to the fact that I was sort of limping and, and lame. You know, if you had a horse like that, you'd consider putting him down. But um, you know, I was halfway around the world and and on me one of my first overseas hunts, and I had you know I had a great time and, and made the most of it. And yeah. you could always look at the bad side of things and. And you know you hear stories of guys going up to Alaska and, and in the you know in the early days in the forties and fifties and you know oh. not even having the correct clothing like ah. not even understanding wool properly oh. and uh, yeah that, and then you know living under a tent from you know a tarp from the hardware store or something and you know them guys still done it and obviously a few of them didn't do it and might have died doing it but um, a lot yeah, of them yeah. did it every year like repeatedly like the, yeah. the, some of the stories over there is just amazing like. They didn't know yeah, anything exactly. different, and that's that's probably yeah. what the biggest thing is. We're we're so spoiled now. We are, we are, and then you know, like as you said before, we we do sort of look at ourselves as being soft, and and you'd be surprised what the body can go through, and like the the mental side of things. The mind is such a strong thing if you allow it to be, and I've seen it, you know, time and time again. You know, both in the military, working overseas. Uh, hunting with guys, yeah, wow, you know, we've we've done a fair bit today, and we probably shouldn't be here, sort of thing, and yeah, and it's it's the mind's a very powerful tool, um, and it'll go a hell of a lot further than um, than what the body will. The body will give away way before the mind will, and I, you know, I've done it to myself, unfortunately, a couple of times, and pushed myself too hard, and probably regretted it. More <laughs> <regret> it. <laughs> well, yeah, I, think, I mean, a lot of. I mean, everything we talk about, and not probably this podcast, but a lot of the others as well, and, and a lot of the other podcasts we listen to, it is all mental. There's no doubt about yeah. it. You know, I was training this morning, you know, with, before I press the record button, we'll talk about training. You know, last yeah. thing I felt like doing was getting up and all that kind of stuff, you know, as you do, get up and you've had a shit week and, you know, everything's going wrong every, every what way you want to look. There's a bill coming out your hair, you know, in mm. corners and, it's amazing, you know, when you, what you can achieve when you've got mind clarity and, and this sort of goes back to, you know, obviously we're, we're talking about depression and PTSD, and, which are all sort of you know, mental issues. And it, it, it's sort of, it's one of them things that I think we get confused and this is me personally with the kids. It's like we're big softies, we've got to be harder, but at the same time we've got to balance that that we don't get in that rut again about, you know, nobody's allowed to talk about their feelings or their mental, you know, where they're at mentally. Yeah. And yeah, no, that's the hard line that I'm really, you know, my wife's big on 
letting the kids express their feelings, get upset, let her get it out. Don't try and stop it. You know, they're only just chucking tantrum. They, they just can't handle it. Uh, yeah. They're not doing anything wrong. Like, it's just they can't handle whatever's been built up in their mind at that point in time. It only lasts for a couple of minutes. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and it's the older generation's grandparents. Like, oh, what's wrong? You know, I'm trying to fix it. And it's a re- it's really interesting to watch. Um, yeah. And I know not everybody listens to podcasts or kids, but I can't help but resort, you know, resort this back to to yourself when you're serving and, and brotherhood and those kind of things. But how do you balance that, knowing that you've got mates that are you know, going through these, you know, these challenges versus you know teaching your son, you know, to to, to be tough and, and like that's a really hard balance. Yeah, it's it is, and I'm lucky. I've had two bites of the cherry. So I, my first son Sam, he's 21 now, as I spoke about before, and he's off doing his thing. And I still worry about him. He's my lad, but I know he can take care of himself and yeah. probably take care of me. And I've got a yeah, a new son now. He's he's my adopted son. So Mitchell, he's he's just turned 10 the other day. Yeah. Uh, and as I say to my wife. Um, I guess it's I got a second bite of the cherry, and it's it's I feel like a, like I'm a, like I'm a grandfather if that makes sense. Like yeah. I look at him now, like I've I've already raised one son, and this is my second go at it. So yeah. I'm my not my temper, but I'm, I'm a little bit more patient with him if that makes sense. So like I, the- I I try and show him a lot more things, try and be more you know uh, explain things a little bit differently to him because um, I obviously. Some things I've done it right the first time, and some things I didn't do it right the first time with Sam. Um, I've got a daughter as well; she's nineteen. Um, but boys are definitely, obviously, different to raising girls. Uh, yeah. they're, they're totally different. I read a couple of books on raising boys because um, I just wanted to do it right, you know. And especially as an adopted kid, um, I wanted to do right by him, and he's a good lad. Um, so we often talk about, you know, his feelings and. You know, he's 10 now and he still holds his mum's hand walking across the street. And I, the first time I've seen it happen, I, I sort of half made fun of him, <laughs> as yeah. you do, you know. Yeah, yeah, smart, for sure. Being a smart-ass dad. And his mum said, no, don't. He's going to come a time where he won't want to hold my hand. And I said, no, you're right too. Yeah. So, and then, I, you know, I just say to him, oh, it's good you hold your mum's hand. She's always going to be your mum, that sort of thing. So, yeah. but as, and a lot of other things like, I sort of then have to say to my wife because she's a female, obviously, and she has a different way of raising boys than what a, what a father does. Um, so I then have to turn around to her when she says I'm being tough on him. I said, No, I'm not being tough on him. This is what he needs. You know, I'm not I'm not being cruel to him. I'm unkind. I'm just wanting him to toughen up and you know realize that sometimes it's going to be a hard journey on yeah. whatever t- you got to do. It's you're not going to like everything you got to do in your life and. If I can point you to make you a little bit tougher now and, and give reasoning behind that, um, then all, all well and good. You know, like the other day, example was he was mowing the lawn and the the house block we got here is on a bit of a sloping block. And uh, he goes, oh, Dad, can you push this up here? And I knew full well that, you know, I could do it. And <laughs> he just want, he just wanted to get out of it. And I yeah. Said, yeah. <laughs> He's I a said, millennial. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, uh, "Oh, Dad, can you do that?" I said, "Yeah, I can do that, but I don't want to do that because it's yeah. your job. You've, you, I'm, you're mowing the lawn. I already know how to mow the lawn, mate. So let's uh, let's get you mowing the lawn." So I emptied the catcher for him, and I said, "Let's let's try again." And he, you know, he he done it well and pushed the mower up the hill. He's just trying to get out of it. But um, and then there was there would have been a time where I just wouldn't let let 
you know, the kid mowed the lawn because I just want to do it myself because then it would be done, if that makes sense. Yeah, uh, yeah, gotcha. And another, and another example of that, I was similar sort of situation. I had the, the leaf blower and I'm blowing all the leaves off the lawn and he walks up and he goes, oh, Dad, can I have a go? And, yeah, sure, mate, here you go. Knock yourself out. Whether as that was 10, 15 years ago with my first son, I was like, no, get out of my way. I've got to do this because I've got to do it Yeah. Yes. So now I'm like, you fit your, fill your boots, mate. You knock yourself out because that's how he's going to learn. You know, sure. he's not going to learn by watching me. He's going to learn by him doing it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's interesting. I mean, and it and it's the same where I think I'm sort of taking the line where I'm going to separate the kind of the physical toughness where in the way of like sometimes it's hot and it's sticky and it's sweaty and you know bust your hand and yeah. Uh, you know, we're on a farm here as well, and 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 the boys yeah. are pretty good. Like they're very out when you compare them to. Some other the, the little kids that are maybe growing up in town, or you know, there is a different, definitely a different level oh, yeah. there. Um, yep. Maybe the kids in town probably interact with other kids a little better. Maybe you know, there's there's all different levels, but and then I think it's okay, you know, to the point of where you know emotionally it's okay to you know something something bothering you to talk about it, and get upset about it. So I'm really trying to have mm, that not mm. good balance of like you can tell me anything feeling, and I'll always be here to listen, and I won't. I'm not going to be here to judge it. You know, yes, exactly I, I may right. silently, like I may be, you know, when you have no idea about it, but, um, you know, one thing is just uh, that's that's sort of the, and I, I know they're only young, but I take that this age, you know, from six months to five years, I think that's the most important because I still remember stuff when I was, yeah. um, you know, things that may happen, that something happened, you know, you've forgotten to pick up and lost that trust because yeah. you won't pick up on time or something like that or you're embarrassed. Yep. Um, yeah, sorry. Yeah, we've got a completely tangent here, but I just, no, no. you know, it's something that, you know, I think with, you know, throwing it all in the mix, you know, hunting, military, you know, some of the topics that we've had on the podcast, I think it all sort of all calls into one at, at some point. No, you're exactly right. And I, I've said it a few times to just in myself and, and, and what I wanted to be as, as a man, you know. To, to define that and then also raising boys both Mitchell and Sam but I think a, a decent sort of human being now he has to like as I'm speaking from a male point of view um, it's sort of looked upon that a guy that is a, is an all-rounder that can do everything is, is a guy that you know you sort of can leave something with him and it, it'll be okay you know like you know, in my mind, and as I say to my lad, you know, it's important for me, and I have these conversations with him now, uh, at, he's 10 years old, but I say it's important for me to teach you how to change a tyre in the car. Yep. It's important for me to teach you how to mow the lawn. Um, and it's also important for me to teach you how to treat your mother nice. Yeah. And, you know, to open the door for her and, uh, you know, when you finish eating your meal, you take your plate to the sink and, and all that sort of thing and have manners and to speak correctly and to shake someone's hand and, you know, to look them in the eye and those sorts of things. So it, um, to me, it's been well, a well-rounded human, whether it be male or female. So, um, but I, I just, society seems to frown on, you know, men being men of late and not to get down that rabbit hole. But, um, yeah, it's just one of them things where I, I just think they should be focused on that more. And, yep. you know, guys going into hunting camps, I've written about it for Arrowhead Magazine where it, um, in one of my previous articles on the on the back page there, I just, yeah, there's sort of not the focus on men being men and there's nothing wrong with that as long as they're, you know, well-mannered and, and you know, respected and all the rest of it and treat people with respect. Yep. 
and it goes hand in hand with hunting and hunting ethics as well. You know, it, um, just because you got five thousand or ten thousand or whatever Instagram followers doesn't make you a nice person. Yeah, know? yeah. <laughs> we all know you can you can falsify your Instagram oh. on how or yeah. your Facebook on how you think your life looks. Yep. Um, but then you you meet someone you go yeah I really wouldn't want to spend any time with that guy in the bush or in a hunting camp. Don't you get disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> oh, unbelievable. Like, yeah, a lot of the mentors and that that I had through work and that kind of stuff, I met them and I'm like, you're a dickhead. Like, you're, <laughs> you're an absolute wanker. And <laughs> it, it just, it, it is it's disappointing. And and I know, and and part of obviously wanting to talk to you tonight, you know, I've read your columns and, and I always look forward to them. And because it was a different look from the normal, is if I can say that in a respectful way, it was That's you got true. a different take of it and, you know, and, and throwing that emotional thought in and the boys' boys and, and you know, trying to mix that up into, into a bundle of, as you said, being the all-round guy and, and looking yeah. at it with that perspective as well. Yeah. Um, I know that's one thing I really try and, um, you know, I really try and hold the way that I try to look at it from both sides, whether it's a bad side even, you know, someone that is copping it and we know it for a good reason, but I try and look at it from that side and say, well, what what perspective, why did they do that? And yeah. it gets me in a rabbit hole sometimes too, don't get me wrong, but, um, and I think I think it's important that, you know, with the social media, and this is leading right into to hunting, because in, I feel in camp is where a lot of this kind of stuff is discussed, and if it's not being discussed about helping mate those kind of things, it should be because yeah. you find that you've got a lot, lot more important role than just going hunt with someone and killing something. Like it, that, you know, yep, going for a hunt—that's a great weekend away. But there's, there's probably someone there that's actually, you know, really needed to talk to you. I think it's important. Yeah, and a lot of things, you know, whether whether it be up at Herbie's place um, or, or any hunting camp or deer camp, whether you've got a, a, a group of guys that, that catch up often or they catch up every five years or they're new or old group or whatever. But, uh, like, for example, when I went to, to Stewart Island with the lads, like I only probably knew two or three of them guys yep. and um, obviously knew the backgrounds of some of them, but yeah. I've never met them because I'm from up north and a lot of them guys are from all down your way. Um but yeah, and obviously you get into a camping situation or whatever, and you know you're having a few drinks, and people let their guard down, and over a couple of days, and a lot of them friendships can form like pretty solid friendships for yep. you know for for a long time. Um, and I, I was pretty lucky with that Stuart Island trip where all twelve of us got on like a house on fire, yep. and all twelve of us would go back, and we'd all know that. You know, there's no dickheads because we had that no dickhead policy in the paperwork contract. From the staff. <laughs> it was signed <laughs> somewhere, I'm sure of it. <laughs> I don't know who had it signed. Benny Solera. I don't know about that. <laughs> the froth, the froth would have been taking over it. Love you, Benny. <laughs> yeah, the butcher. Um, but uh, yeah, it's any sort of the, any of them hunting camps like you said and, let, and people can go there and just talk you know if they have a couple of rums and under their belt and you know you can't you can only talk about hunting for so long after yeah. a while and it comes a full circle and someone might just need to spend time in, in a camp with a group of guys yeah you know they, they might work out in a mining community like i do and i i don't um, particularly get on with everyone who i work with in the mining industry yeah because they're just different i'm different different backgrounds that sort of thing 
Um, so some, someone could be doing that or they can work in an office in the city or whatever. And they, their true friends could be when they go hunting. And that's part of the part why we like to go hunting is that whole culture behind it. We feel like men. We feel like we're out in the outdoors and, and we're doing something we love and we see a deer or, or a couple of pigs or whatever we're hunting and, and we we get a couple of sh- shots away at those animals and, and it's awesome. It's even better if we you know, bring meat home or a trophy of a lifetime or whatever. But it's yep. the whole the whole box and dice of, of those hunting camps and you know to to get back to sort of herbie's place um up at dargo there sorry herbie was it dargo or bendigo somewhere like that well, i don't man. know <laughs> i can't remember i was asleep Carsick probably so <laughs> yeah yeah but um it's such a great place and herbie has that set up that he, he wants guys with backgrounds like mine and, yep. and whoever that or anyone really don't have to have a military background but if someone might be just struggling or whatever then they just want to go and get some fresh air like the yeah. yanks are really really proactive with that um they are. I, was, I was gonna bring that up earlier actually and I, I sort of i did because it was another sort of rabbit hole but yeah keep, keep going with that because I, I, I might jump in there a bit more yeah you see it a lot like a lot of veterans coming back from from wherever obviously the latest stuff and then even now there's you know lads working in syria and and, and north africa um they, they're coming i mean they're seeing a lot of action a lot of you just have to go on any of the documentaries of some of the the battles these guys are getting into over there and then to leave all that behind and drop all that stress off and that adrenaline rush of war and then to go back and, you know, hear someone complain that their latte is too cold or too hot, you know, <laughs> makes you, makes your skin crawl. But, yeah. And they, they have trouble fitting in and the only way they fit in is if they go back to their own sort of niche of guys. Where just, and nothing even needs to be said. You just know – you know, whether it be idiosyncrasies of someone making you a cup or, or getting you a cold beer or, or, you know, making sure that when you have a shower, you know, dinner's on or something like that, that you sort of you slide into them things. And the Yanks, as I was saying, the Yanks have sort of hit the nail on the head. They have a lot of sort of veteran. They do. Yeah. Veteran-based stuff like the hunting and hunting, oh, the list even, is endless. Yeah, and even, even, you know, emergency services like police guys or, you know, ambos or fireys and all that sort of thing because they, they do just as much work as, and, you know, nurses and medical professions and stuff like that. Um, they just need downtime. And, when, you know, getting out in the outdoors is the best thing for it as well as exercise um, is the best thing for mental health and, and spending time in your own or, or not even – you don't even have to talk about anything. It's just, just getting there and, you know, if you want to open up and say, you know, I had a shit time this time and I'm – had a rough sleep and, and whatever, or you know, or, you know, the doctor's got me on these bloody pills. You think I should take them, mate? And he yeah. goes, "No, nah, no, nah, don't worry about them. You know, go and see another doctor and get these." And that's all you might need yep. to point you in the right direction. You know, yep. and that's like I said, the Yanks are people take you know, take the piss out of the, the Yanks a lot, but I tell you what, they they got a lot of things right. Oh yeah, I mean, not every country's got it right, and but they got a lot of things right when it comes to their veterans. Obviously, they they drop the ball like a lot of countries do with veterans and police and, and all that sort of thing. And but um, They've only got so much control too, and I think that's what a lot of people exactly. really don't realise, that there's a lot of legality shit that goes on and fun yep. and all that kind of stuff. There's so much involved with it. But they do a good job. I, I've got to yeah, they up. do. And, and not, I sort of follow a few things, and I, I sort of, with social media and whatnot, I, I follow things and I, I sort of, 
and then it gets to a point where like oh this is too much you know yeah. i just had enough of seeing that sort of thing and I, you know because that was my life and i'm you know i haven't been a soldier now for years but um, yeah. it sort of has shaped me who i am like my son is a soldier and a lot of my friends are still soldiers i still knock around with you know a lot of guys that are out of the job now um and they, they they're like me you know they, they struggle with with everyday civvy stuff you know like a couple of my mates are xsf guys and they, they still struggle and they got really good paying jobs yeah. and, and and but they just miss that whole camaraderie the the, the whole um and you know background of it all and that's why a lot of them sort of get into hunting and look forward to going hunting again not to put animals on the ground but just to walk through the bush with a weapon in your hand and and sitting and sleeping under the stars and and talking bullshit with your mate yeah it's uh, it's pretty much what it is you know yeah yeah well i mean you know some of our most memorable time you know i can't i'm not going to say that you know i've I've taken some awesome things and and they've been great but you know a lot of the times it's been you there mate got you still yeah yeah sorry mate yeah, a lot of the time that you know the harvest has topped something off, like it's just finished the trip off, or it hasn't happened, is you know in a couple of cases. But it really has been, you know, the things that happen in camp, the the, the stories you tell, the things you see. Um, yeah. You know, if, that's why this podcast is called, you know, the hunting camp, um, because I think I really just I, I, I'm really passionate about the fact that I think that's the most important bit. You know, even if you're solo, like even if you don't have anybody else in camp. The, pro- the thought processes that go through your mind, you might be clearing your mind by yourself and you know, might just, as you said, you know, looking at the stars by yourself and no one's there, clear your mind and, and, and it's a reset for yourself. You know, I think it's, uh, I think if, you know, if it helps somebody to, to take them out, if they're, even if they're a new hunter or you see someone struggling, say, hey, mate, why don't you come out and spend a weekend with me? Oh, I, think, uh, I think I've got a way to clear your head. Yeah, um, no, you're exactly Yeah, it'd be a right. good start. Yeah, well, hundred percent true, mate. Like, I've done a, a fair bit of backpack hunting by myself, solo stuff, and um, one of my greatest pleasures is to sit back in my hammock at night time during the footy season, listen to ABC Grandstand, and you know, listen to the the NRL on on the on the radio. You yeah. know, whether it be that's you know sitting there with a, a warm cup of tea, listening to the to the footy, um, and that's a great a great thing. You know, of that particular solo hunting that I like doing and. Yeah, it's and like you said, it, it doesn't need to be animals on the ground. Yep, that's what we do it for, and for that's sure. what yeah, you know, the end goal is. But some, even like when I was in Africa last time, like there was a, a lot of leopards around this particular camp that we were at, and the PH said, "Oh, because we'd found this dead uh, kudu cow," and he said, "Oh, that leopard, you or she or he will come back tonight." So I said, "Yeah, well, do you think if we?" brush me into a blind i can get me camera and get some photos and he's like yeah we'll do that so yeah. you know that was just an amazing time like i sat there from about i don't know three o'clock in the afternoon where we had they just basically put me in this blind i had my camera with me 600 mil lens on it sat it down on a on a on a bar stool of all things and then had a gun bag sitting on that so it was all steady and i just had me remote oh. and yeah, and just was pointing right out through this little keyhole in this massive big shrubbery around me um, to try and get photos of this leopard coming in. And <laughs> it's funny, actually, because a bit of a joke, but um, the same PH, his name's Dolph, he said, oh, Al, do you, want, do you want my handgun? And I said, oh, no, I'll be right, Dolph. And he goes, oh, do you want the 500? Meaning he's, he's got a 500 Nitro Express. <laughs> Yeah, like this thing has killed elephants, so it's yeah. a hell of a 
And I, I looked at him and went, no, nah, what do I want that for? He goes, you sure? No, nah, I'm just taking photos, man. He goes, yeah, righto. And he's out South African accent. I'll see, I'll see you after dark. Righto. So they take off. And I'm sitting there, sitting there, and it's sort of getting darker and darker. And then all of a sudden, everything just went dead quiet. Oh. Like animals stopped moving. And I went, and I, you could just feel it, like this, oh. this left. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, right. And it was just, it was, I took a couple of trial photos and it was, I still would have got enough light for a decent photo of him on the dead kudu cow. Anyway, <laughs> he didn't end up coming in and I heard him up through the rocks and baboons were yelling and screaming and whatnot. And they, I could see the lights that the Toyota coming. And so they picked me up and went back to camp. We're having a few beers and talking away. And he said, Al, did that? Uh, did the leopard come in? I, nah, mate, no, no. Sort of told him the story, and he goes, "You know, you should have taken the rifle." I went, "Yeah, yeah, but it's all right." He goes, "Because generally they walk. The first thing they do is they walk in behind something like a blind, and they'll investigate it." I'm like, "Jesus, thanks, Dolph. Let's do it after the fact." <laughs> yeah. I would have said yes to the handgun and yes to the five hundred. Uh, <laughs> I'll take both options. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Typically, a leopard will come in if they see different bushes. They just go and investigate. Uh, so he, yeah, he would have been me armed with Herbie's um, helium knife. <laughs> and, and, uh, oh, there's a plug for you, Herbs. <laughs> yeah, but I, I had that around my neck because it was quite cold, and I just had it underneath my jacket. And uh, oh. yeah, that would have been it. Well, and my camera, of course, so that would have done a lot of damage. Yeah, but, yeah, it's hit, hit it, hit it over the head, bad, bad yeah. kitty cat, something. I don't know. But that, That's I mean, awesome. Like I, was, like I was saying, that that whole trip to Africa, I never shot anything with my boat, but yeah. that 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 in itself, and then all of us taking the piss out of me that night around that campfire, having a few beers, eating eel and steaks, was a great night. You know, we oh. we laughed and joked about it for hours. Yeah, how stupid I was. <laughs> yeah, that's unreal. That's just all that. That's that's a memory just for. Oh man, who gets to get stalked by a freaking leopard? Yeah, yeah. That's and um, they, they actually shot one off that bait about a week later when I left. Yeah, um, right. They went, yeah, they went and hung up a. Because what happened was that bait was then getting hit by um, hyena, which brown hyena are different to spotted hyena. Brown hyena look like a wolf. Yep. And I, I put one on my Instagram page um, from the trail camera, but. They, they were sort of, they sort of leopard and hyena push each other off the bait, and, and yeah, they have sort of arguments. And anyway, the brown hyena left, and the, another leopard come back, and they, they shot shot one off that bait about a week later. So, Shit. but there's heaps of leopard. We could hear them at night time, like they make this growly, soaring noise. Like yeah, and oh. I sort of climbed up in the back of the rocks where we were staying, and there was all like dead warthog skulls, and and yeah all up through the and baboon skulls and whatnot that the leopard had they'd killed and stashed them up in the rocks there. Wow. That's unreal. But, I mean, I'll go to be honest, you know, Africa hasn't been high on my list, but when I hear stories like that, I'm like, oh, shit, that's, yeah, yeah. So, that's something you, nearly, you know, you nearly want to try and experience, you know what I mean? It's, uh, you know, as I said, the, the planes game and that doesn't weirdly do much for me, but it, uh, it's, yeah, and- that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, and that's that's what Africa can offer. Like she's such a, a beautiful and, and a you know a, a primal place. So you can do so much there, and, and have and again, depending on do your homework correctly, where you go is what 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 you can get in return. Yeah, but um, and that sort of stems back to what we we're saying. Like it, 
that experience will live with me forever. You know, yeah. like oh. other times I'd been to Africa and I, I had elephants walk past me like 10 metres from where I was in the car and um, getting photos of them and that sort of thing. And you hear their belly rumbling. You yeah. know, you, you, you don't forget that, you know. That ain't happening yeah. in the Brisbane Valley, man. <laughs> well, I hope not. <laughs> so, right, mate, let's, uh, let's call a piss break, I reckon, and um, I'll, uh, I'll come back to you in 10 or so, eh? All good, man. All good. All right, man. Hey guys, thanks for listening to another episode of Hunting Camp Down Under. As always, thank you to Hoyt Bow Hunting and XA Mountain Gear for their ongoing support. A little side note, if you guys are any time interested in hunting the States, now I know I talk about it all the time, but if you haven't heard already, I have started a tag application service uh, through the Hunting Camp Down Under website. Um, please shoot me an email, huntingcampdownunder at gmail.com or simply head into the website and uh, throw your details in there and a a note will come through to me um, if you just want to have a chat about it and you know whether it's just once or you know once in a lifetime or you want to do something every year like some of us do please just drop us a line and uh, I'll be more than happy to help you out so until next time guys thank you again and uh, we'll see you in a couple of weeks bye for now